Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, you can't see the time here, but this is the earliest podcast I've ever recorded, and you're probably wondering who, what guest <laughs> has forced me to do that. It is the one, the only, James Sutton. How are you doing, my man? Um, very well, mate. Pleasure to be back. Oh, man. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, and I think that those that don't know, um, or haven't had an update from the last time you are on the podcast, will wonder, why are we recording so early? And that's just because you're an incredibly busy man. But for those that aren't, um, you know, familiar with you. What I'd love you to do is reintroduce yourself, give us a, a rundown of kind of what's went on since the last episode, because that was over a year ago. Um, before we kind of crack into today's episode. Um. Well, obviously, my name's James Sutton. Been in the industry for fourteen years, like that. Farewell. Um. One of the old men in the industry. It seems like nowadays everyone <laughs> seems to be young kids around. But no, I've been obviously training my whole life. Um, in terms of where we're at at the moment, I've been educating for the last, educating coaches the last six years, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously that initial start at the M10 and now it's transitioned to everything to do within the Muscle Mentors. Uh, at this time, when we spoke previously on the podcast, we didn't have the subscription website, which we've got up and running now. It's great success, it's going real well and sort of kind of worked nicely in terms of timing with, the, with COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's yeah. no way obviously we were running the education camps and the theory camps and practical camps that we had done last year um, obviously with the year we've had so that sort of worked nicely with that um, but yeah that's just a big part of my time obviously at the moment and then still coach still got a huge passion for coaching when it's an option do a small amount of one-to-one um, but then a large amount of online clients as well yeah for those of you that don't know James is actually a mentor and a coach of mine back in, in 2017 Um and I learned a huge amount and still still learning today. I'm just, I still see a post or from yourself or look and go, fuck, <laughs> I don't know that. Or if I take it back to last year, I'm sure I put up a post in regards to a tutorial and you're like, Vaughn, actually, that's, a, that's actually a little bit wrong. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> but I massively appreciate everything that you, that you do and everything that the, the muscle mentors do because mm. I don't think there's enough of that in the industry today. Um, and if I think back to my old mindset back in you know years ago was lift as heavy as I fucking can don't worry about anything else and just that'll give me big but you guys sort of tell us that it's not all about that but rather than me ramble on I'd love to crack into today's episode and that is going to be for anyone out there who's want to build big old booty right or, or, or big old quads I know you could probably talk about this for days but um, what I'd love you to do is if we're speaking about programming, let's let's start with programming and start with the glutes. What would be the sort of the key things that you would look for when it comes to programming? And I'd love you to talk about whether it's biomechanics, forces, things like that. But from a beginner to a, you know a, a, a full time competitor, shall we say, is there three or four like important things that you're like right? That's what we should be aware of. I think well the, the number one thing is just to, from a very simplistic view is to understand what do the glutes do, what's the action of the glutes, and if we look at them as a whole, we can look at they create hip extension, or external rotation, and abduction, um, and that's obviously super oversimplified and something I'm not going to delve into in terms of anatomy wise and really what's going on if we break down different parts of the glute max min and need, just keep them movements in your head, so that's what we'd have to come to when we start to look at exercise breakdown or what's going on with an exercise what what we get in from their movements um is that ticking one of them boxes um but really when it comes down to it in terms of 
what your someone's ability to develop their glutes. Yeah. So I was going to go with three things. The number one thing I would go with, and this is the most underrated thing within the sport of bodybuilding or physique development, is genetics. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <It's> got, like, <laughs> the people who have got it in bodybuilding don't realize that's partly why they look the way they do. Yeah. But if we were to take the same bolt and we think, well, can he run that speed because he's trains harder than everyone else? Yeah. He trains more than everyone else. or he does the right exercise and the movements. There might be some of that there, but a huge amount of genetics. Yeah. yeah so like, we've got to have that understanding and you're ignorant if you don't have that within the bodybuilding community, physique development world. Um, so that's the same thing when it comes down to developing your glutes. Yeah. Have you got the genetics? And the, the easy example I try and give with that is look at someone who's reasonably developed, look at their biceps. Do their biceps look like they attach directly below their elbow or does it look like they attach halfway at their arm? Don't look at mine because they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyone who's got seriously jacked arms, they'll have this attachment that goes all the way down to the elbow or even looks like it goes past that. And that's exactly the same thing with the glutes. We just can't see it as visibly until someone gets absolutely shredded. Yeah. And I think, see, when you say about genetics, there's some, there's some girls out there that they just have this amazing anterior tilt of the pelvis along with maybe, you know, a cool origin surgeon and their glutes are just up here <laughs> before they even start dieting. They're just up there and you're like, ah, we'll be fine. We'll, yeah. we'll be fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a second as potentially through a thought process and understanding how we could eventually develop that higher sitting glute. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the point, I think too, in a sense, I was going to go into his ability to, develop the glutes which is your ability to contract yeah. rather than just do movement and if you're genetically blessed to be that girl or guy who's got this naturally jacked ass then your body's going to probably choose to place load there and place tension there and that's going to keep happening yeah. but for everyone else it's your ability to contract throughout different parts of the range to contract especially in that lengthened part of the range and get out of the squat rdl deadlift whatever it may be um so that'd be two and then i think for my third one it'd be like variation so by having an understanding of what the glutes do then that can sometimes potentially know where we're going to go with it so say for instance if we're looking for that upper part of the glute the same as we'd maybe try and work the mid upper part of the chest or something like that a lot of people would think oh yeah i can work this area of the chest so they go and put a variation of exercise in but then when they come to do glutes all they do is glute bit, glute bridge, glute kickbacks, or something that's purely maybe working extension. Yeah. They're not thinking of them other movements that we get, whether it's a degree of external rotation or whether it's abduction. Yeah. And they might go and sit on the abduction machine, just so they sit on the adductor machine, they sit on the adductor machine, but understand it's tough to get into and visualize. But when we're in that flexed hip position, we're predominantly, I don't want to say 100%, but we're predominantly getting the glute max. Okay. We're just working through abduction, which is great. It's not a problem with that. But if we were to do that in an extended hip position, then we'd get the glute min-med. So that upper part of the glute that you're talking about, where that glute just really sits up nicely, if we did that in a hip extended position, going through abduction, then we'd get that shelf. What would be your, if someone's listened to that and they've went, James, tell me the exercise that I need to do. 
Right, if there was a couple of examples of that specific one, because that is a well sought out trait from bikini girls or, you know, guys whatnot. Um, what what's the James Sutton go tos for that? Um, go and buy <laughs> a Cybex Eagle Abanadductor or a Cybe- or a Nautilus Nitro um, Abanadductor. The benefit, I uh, just say, the, the benefit of them two machines, if they got a back pad that tilts and drops back. So you could do it in 90 degrees of hip flexion. You could do it in 45. You could do it in 10 degrees of hip flexion. Um, but outside of that, the majority of other seated abductor machines don't have that adjustability. Yeah. So you've got to try and play with it a little bit, chuck a few yoga blocks, chuck a core pad or something under your bum, right. try and create as much hip extension as possible. Yeah. And you can still get close depending on limb length stuff like that you can still maybe get close to 10 15 20 degrees of hip flexion with sitting on them a couple of things reach your feet out a little bit on the pads so, to still try and get in that hip extended position then to go through that movement someone out there who's a beginner doesn't know what hip flexion is on the abductor could you explain that for them uh so it's just in the position when we're sat down so me and you are sat down at the moment so we're our hips are flexed so there's sort of a 90 angle between our torso and our leg a torso and a femur. So we want to try and extend that on more into position where we're standing up. Yeah, when we're standing up and we take our leg out to the side, then that's going to work that upper outer glute area. The more where when we're in this seated position, we take our leg out to the side. Yeah. That's going to work more of our bum that we sit on, our glute max. Perfect. I, I wish that um, most gyms had an adjustable um, back pad for the ab and adductor because like, Okay, I've got shit hip mobility, but I can't get into a lot of them because I just can't, I can't get my legs that wide. But if I was able to actually put my like lean back, a hundred percent. Now, yeah. one thing I'd love to, to touch on is you mentioned someone's ability to, to contract, uh, and I know that there'll be girls that are there thinking, you know what, when I do a hip thruster or, or this, I really struggle. And um, so, if we were to just look at like a hip thruster example, uh, because it's the one thing that a lot of people do. If, if a female was to struggle to contract her glutes, what would be your sort of first approach? Would it be look at looking at internal cueing? Would you sort of sh- shorten the range of motion? What, what would you do first for that? It depends on the level, depends where they're at. But uh, I don't know if you can remember back in the day when we were teaching some of this sort of uh, practical-based stuff with some of the camps that you've been on where we teach a sensation. And that's sometimes not great but also that can be a good thing that if you can try and teach that ability to just squeeze the glutes we've got to start sometimes that simple but it might be as if we've got that much of a beginner or someone who just has no sensation there might be the thing of just lying them on the floor lying them face down and teach that ability to squeeze and relax the glutes squeeze and relax just keep working on that get their brain ticking over then outside that as well, teach the ability in that position to contract the glutes without moving the spine. And then also contract the glutes with a posterior rotation of the pelvis. It's like thrusting your hips, tucking your hips under. Yeah. You can teach them two separately and that's going to start to build the foundation. Then from there, like, okay, how do I progress that? So if they feel that, okay, lying down, we take the load of their body weight or something out of it and that seems to work well we can maybe turn them over so they're into a glute bridge type position and try that maybe they get into that position they feel their quads or their hamstrings a bit too much and so it just doesn't quite sit so like okay thought process wide maybe where you can go with it when they're lying hip extended knees extended that seems to work well for them so maybe we take them onto a 45 degree back extension or a horizontal back extension 
and have, have them hold this static position, but just focus on them two things that I said in terms of where they're clenching their glutes without moving the spine. And then also they're squeezing their glutes. We're trying to posteriorly rotate their spine. Yeah. So almost that clench, I like to give a simple, simple cue. I say, imagine you've got a credit card in between your bum cheeks and you're just trying to squeeze that in. Love it. Dude, you're that's, trying to hold that. I, like, obviously that was four years ago now I was at those camps and I still use a very similar cue, which was, I can't remember if it was yourself or Carl that were kind of coming around the stations and I was with another member of the camp that was struggling and when he just came over and just literally said, we're doing an RDL in the bottom position, they just went, clamp your glutes there. And literally it was just like, boom, the girl was just able, able to do it. So from there, I use that cue or I say, squeeze a 5P between your cheeks, opposed to yeah. a credit card. So I absolutely love it. It's, it's brilliant. But and sort of like we want to sometimes go in with the super in-depth in stuff, but remember and sometimes the clients that come to us that sometimes look advanced or assume advanced and still got to strip them back to the very foundations and the basics. Yeah. So never be scared as a coach or if you listen to this as a client to do that on yourself. Yeah. Uh, come back to the basics and then we can build a layer on that because trying to get into the bottom of an RDL and have someone switch their glutes on is an extremely tough skill that a lot of people underappreciate. Yeah. Uh, and we've got to know how to bring that back and work on the components, work on the individual parts, and then bring that back into the movement. Yeah, 100%. I think that you guys are good at, like, I think at first when you see what how in-depth you guys go with education, at first for some it can be a bit mind-boggling, but when you actually put it into practice and you're at the camps, you're like, oh, how you just explained it is actually really relatable and yeah I could think about a credit card and and that makes sense so if there is anyone out there that's thinking god I won't understand what's going on at you guys camps to that you will because you guys are awesome at putting that across in layman's terms I just thought I would, I'd throw that in now you mentioned earlier on you know everyone does a glute bridge or a hip thruster but I bet you there's some some James Sutton specialties out there for developing the glutes that people don't know about or perhaps you have some some favorites. So we were thinking about, is there any sort of underrated or, or sort of looked over moves when it comes to developing the glutes themselves? And, and if there was perhaps a bias, could you convince the listener to, to change their opinion towards a specific move? Or I don't know, I'm just throwing ideas out there. Before I go maybe with underrated, I'd probably go with potentially overrated. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. I would, I think the, the glute bridge is potentially like an over, because of the sensation, because of the feel we get at the top of the glute bridge, yep. we think it could be the, the king to build the glutes. Yeah. But if people are just trying to drive that bar up and down and they haven't got that ability really to create that hip extension through a glute contraction, then it's going to do nothing. There's a massive, I'm going to get confused with terminology here, but there's a massive moment arm to the knee. So basically the knee extensors, the quads, are working a lot during that. Yes, the glutes, hip extenders may be working more, but on some people, if they haven't got ability to really initiate and smooth with them, the quads are going to kick in a lot. And depending on where you place a glute bridge in a workout, if you've done it after quad work, you're definitely going to feel the quads. Yeah. Uh, and as you hit high levels of fatigue, they're going to kick anyway. So knowing that it can be good, but just because of the sensation and feel we get from that doesn't mean that that's, that's everything. Yeah. Underrated couple of areas I'd maybe look at one I think in terms of if someone's got the ability to switch the glutes on out of that lengthened position then the ability to do that 
under high levels of fatigue. So have the skill requirements to do that under high levels of fatigue on something like a 45 degree leg press, potentially with a higher foot placement. Yeah. Like we've can take the moment arm almost to the knee out. There's always going to be something there, um, but we can predominantly get a say a torque demand to the hip. And if someone's got the ability to go to close to failure, we can get in that sort of movement. The glutes are going to start screaming. Yeah. They're really going to start kicking in, but most people will they give up before that point or they haven't got the skill requirement to keep them glutes fired and keep them glutes and thinking of hip extension as they go through the movement. So I'd say that's one. And then two, really for me, the key thing outside of that in terms of trying to get more out of the glutes is the ability to maybe create an exercise that takes away the quads or the hamstrings a bit. So if we look at that glute bridge, the quads are gonna kick in. Yeah. There's no way around that. If we look at maybe a 45 degree back extension, the hamstrings are gonna kick in. Yeah. So we can either set, we can separate our hip extension movements or our glute movements into movements where the knee is flexed yeah. and then movements where the knee is extended. Sure. But if we could get a proximal point of application, so if we could get a point of application which sits just above the knee, okay, okay, yeah. rather than say on the 45 degree back extension, that point of application is down on the calf. Sure. So you're driving your ankles back up into that pad on your calf or Achilles type area. But if we could get that pad just above the knee, okay, on an exercise on a movement, then that takes out. The hamstrings trying to flex the knee. I'm trying to think in my head. You've got some sort of cuffed movement going on here, and he's going to explain <laughs> it. It's coming. It's coming. I'm getting excited. Look, there's always going to be potential when we've got the thought process. Okay, like if I do the 45 degree back extension, my hamstrings start screaming. Yeah. If I do the glute bridge, my quads start screaming. They're like, okay, why is that? We break that down. Think, okay, what I need is a movement, ideally where I get that input pad to sit just above the knee. And yes, doing something on the cable, like I remember a year or so ago, I'd put a post out that got one of my most likes in terms of attaching my belt to me, pulling myself back. So using like a lifting belt sure. that I've got a daisy chain around and I attach that to a bit of metal, so part of the cable, and then got a cuff that's attached to the cable and pulling my knee up. Right. So I'm doing a glute kickback in a sense, but like the point of attachment of the cables coming just above my knee. And then you need that restraint around your waist to making it any good. Anytime, if you're trying to do that movement, like glue kick back on the cable without that, then it's a waste of time. Yeah. So that's good. But the limitation there is potentially going to be load getting into position. Um, but as some, uh, later on in the workout with fatigue, if you're working 15, 20, 25 reps, I can still work extremely well. Yeah. Bit of a pain to get in. But outside, again, people probably won't have availability to this, but outside of that, I think the most underrated machine out there, there's two machines, but one potentially people might have. The underrated machine out there is a seated hip extension. Okay. So think of your 45 degree back extension, yeah. turn yourself upside down. And a lot of people, they'll maybe call a seated back extension machine, but you're sitting on a seat, if there's a decent machine, you'll need a seat belt that'll strap you in, and then you'll drop back yeah. through hip extension. Okay. Um, and I've so I've got one of them, and like they're one in terms of 
maybe a skill progression onto an RDL, they can come great. But the one movement in terms of when we're doing a hip extension, we actually get a deload from the weight being applied in the weak position. So in that extended position, when we're so basically when we start straight, the hips are extended. Yeah. We're in a weak position. Yeah. So when we're doing the glute bridge, we're in a weak position there, but relatively because what's going on with the movement, that barbell is in a sense heaviest. Sure. So the issue with the glute bridge is that as we get into that weak position, that weight's not changing at all. And relatively, we could potentially say it's almost feeling slightly heavier. Yeah. So you're always going to be limited by what you can get to the top there or what you're going to do, which most people do is just throw it up and not <laughs> actually feel it. Yeah. Um, and then on a 45 degree back extension, we get a bit of a drop off, but it's nowhere near the level of fatigue we get as we get into that top position. In an RDL, we get a drop off in load, but that barbell wants to pull us down to the floor. Yeah. So that load comes up through our traps. So that load just goes on into other areas. Yeah. So although in theory from the torque demand to the glutes, we do get a drop off with that load just gets transferred somewhere else. Yeah. There's our ability to hold the position. Yeah. So from that sensation or that ability to hold the squeeze, if you've got a good skill requirement or you can keep the tension there, you can do it. But actually the load being applied to the glutes isn't there. Whereas with a CT back extension, because we're literally dropping back, can you visualize what I mean? Yeah, dude, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think for someone out there that maybe wants uh, a little video or something like that. If after maybe at some well, well let me check. I'll share my screen so if anyone's watching. Yeah, I was about to say um, what I can do is if you ping me the links, I'll put it in the the comments below um, on YouTube and on uh, Apple Podcasts so people can people can check those out. Or they'll maybe just um, hassle you through your DMs on Instagram for a link. <laughs> <laughs> but if they can visualize that, and if you Google like Cybex seated hip extension, that's the machine I've got. Um, there are a lot of times they don't go heavy enough, but like I, I started at, attaching it to a few bands and stuff to mine, and it soon works well. But it's that ability to have a point of application in the middle of our back, which we've got through the glute bridge. Uh, so having that point of application, so the bench on your back is that point of application there. So that's great. Like without that, we can't do the glute bridge ascent. So that's great there. And the other point of application, as I say, is just above your knee at the top of your hamstring. Whereas obviously on the glute bridge, we've got our feet pushing through the floor. Yeah. So then that creates the torque demand to the knee. Um, but the, with this machine, you can drive your knees almost into the bottom of the bench as you're driving your hips up. So you get that hip extension challenge with a deload in the short position in a stable locked-in position. So um, for me, you'll still find them out there in some gyms, yeah. but just people don't know how to use them. Yeah. But if they're used with a hip extension focused, um, then they can work extremely well. So in a sense, unrelated, underrated, exercises and an appropriate table kickback <laughs> and then a seated uh, hip extension some people might call it back extension machine and, and if you want to if you want to see those we'll say click the links below or check out james instagram for that i i can't wait yeah. to see I, I must have missed that video but i can't wait to see you doing a good kickback i think i think it's brilliant um <laughs> I, I, I guess, i'll repost it <laughs> i guess if we if we talked about um underrated moves we, i think we've already kind of addressed the the common moves that we might see performed slightly wrong you mentioned about on a hip thrust just sort of kind of throwing it up and um, i don't know if we've exhausted the list of moves maybe perhaps you see 
I'm not saying commonly done wrong because I don't feel wrong is a word. Maybe not not done as effective as they could be. Would 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 there be anything else that you would add? Yeah, um, I'd even say just in terms of I don't want to say done wrong, but used inappropriately for what they feel the goal of the exercise is going to be. Um, another good or a really good one in a sense is something like a cable pull through. Okay. Like where we've got the cable behind us. We've got the, a rope that we're reaching in between our legs yeah. and we're doing that. The number one limitation with that is as soon as you start adding load, what do you have to do? Lean your body forward yeah. so you don't flip back. Yeah. So we're doing that uh, unless we've got literally that pad behind our back that we had on the glute bridge, we can never get an optimal force output or really get a challenge to the hips or hip extensors. And you can't really set that out. There is ways you can, but it just doesn't really work in practicality wise. So the cable pull through is one that's just literally a waste of time. Yeah. Like you start loading up, and then you lean your body forward, and you end up being in a position where you were on that 45 back extension or close to. Yeah. So we might as well go with that. I think um, the, sim- there'll be a similar lot on that route a little bit is a banded RDL, which can have its application in terms of learning the skill. So if we want to teach some teach someone a hip hinge movement, that can come in really well because that band's attached around the hips, pulling straight back, and that can help that thought of trying to sit the bum back as they go through that RDL movement. But again, once it gets to a point where that band is going to create any sort of challenge, what do we have to do? We have to lean that body forward. Yeah. The more we lead it forward, the more that band can potentially be some sort of challenge. Where again, we might as well just go to a 45 degree hip extension yeah um other movements in terms of the overrated type ones i don't know a chick who stands on two benches and does a goblet squat or something like that a wide stance squat thinking standing on the benches is going to help yeah. um but anything sometimes i think that's over in that super wide stance again because of the sensation of feel maybe they can get at the top of the movement with the squeeze they think it's going to be a great challenge to the glute. So like a goblet type squat where you've got a, a dumbbell or something just tucked under your chin yeah. um, is not going to be really a great challenge to the, to the glutes. And I know there'll be a lot of, maybe some beginner fit chicks listening whose dreams have just been shattered and they, their leg worker they just done yesterday, they're thinking, fuck, <laughs> I need to go change that. But um, I think certainly you've hit a couple of home truths there. Uh, and I hope that, that through just what you've said, and I love how you've explained it, broken it down, that someone can go out there and just apply that to their workout as of today or or as soon as. But I think if, one, of the, one of the key things to tell you is, oh, no, I was doing the cable pull-throughs, I was doing the goblet squats or the wide stance goblet squats, I was doing that seated abduction. Um, and I, but then I, oh, I can do that movement, I can work the glute bridge, that's fine, I can work the 45-degree back extension, I can maybe set up a cable hip extension. I can do the leg press in position, that stuff, that I can get that sensation. And it's like, you don't need them other three, four, five, six other exercises. Yeah. If you've got literally two, three, maybe four, depending on how the movements are, if each one gives you something slightly different, then that's fine. Yeah. People think they need this whole array of different exercises. Like, master a couple of key ones and then maybe build something in as it's appropriate. Yeah, and I guess if there was a take home for everything that you said about the glutes, 
that would be it. You know, you'd labelled all everything that kind of is effective, not effective what they do. But I guess don't confuse it and just, as you said, master a couple would be would be awesome. If yeah. you know, I think we've spoke, we've talked about the glutes to death, and I'm sure you could go on for like literally you know two hours as opposed to just twenty minutes. But um, if we were to to move on to to getting jacked quads, still a massive goal of mine. I'm sure a lot of bodybuilders. I I used to remember back in 2016 get my phone out and go on Instagram and be like, fuck, look at this James guy, see his quads, fuck, I want quads like James. So, the perfect... <laughs> you got him now, right? I'm, the, the, and more. The perfect one to describe him would be yourself. And I think the, the best thing for us to do maybe start to say what the quads do, but um, but also just maybe discuss that um, the knee pain, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of bodybuilders complain about, about knee pain. Um, and if there's anything that you'd, you know, actively suggest, maybe perhaps what causes it, how could they, they avoid it, um, in regards to to say to say programming, I know that again this could be so individual, but we were speaking genetic sense. You know, what, what do you think kind of causes that pain? Is it poor tempo? Because that was me and was for years until uh, I think it was Luke and Joe Jeffries gave me a lot of lot of stick on Instagram on every post, and I was like, right, I'll I'll change that. And um, yeah, what do you what's your thoughts? Um, so just in terms of step back a little bit, in terms of I like to think I'm reasonably qualified in this topic sure. the ability to build a quad purely because of someone who's had them but then I've also someone who's in a sense lost them yeah because of injuries because of knee pain and then I'm someone who in a sense has got them back to a certain extent but just never to the level I was before um and the reason I believe I'm qualified to talk about this because I've been there I've gone through the pain I've done everything wrong I've learned from that I've educated myself and then uh, I can try and pass that on to others to make sure they don't do the same thing. And most people, huge amount of people, their egos are too big to actually listen to me. Um, but for the ones who do, the number one key thing, you want to build any body part, but something, whether it's around the knee, whether it's around the shoulder, most important thing is joint congruency. So the number one thing with the knee is alignment. If like you can try and visualize the, the hip socket, you've got basically a ball and socket. Yeah. So you've got the femur and then you've got the socket there. So it's really, really stable. But when it comes down to the knee, the knee could move. So if we didn't have some of the passive structures in there, some of the ligaments, let alone some of the active structures, so the hamstrings, the gastroc, and the, even the quads, then they will help compress the joints. They'll help keep it together. So there's a massive benefit to them but if we're not setting things up appropriately if we're not aligning things appropriately then over time that's going to lead to potentially arthritic changes within the joint um and if you're if you're a pussy and you don't train hard you're probably fine <laughs> but if you've got some balls in you and you train hard then at some point in time if you're not setting stuff up appropriately it's going to come back to bite you if you've got a sport in history which a lot of people who get into bodybuilding or physique development have because they got their buzz. We got our buzz from playing basketball, yeah. uh, whether it's playing rugby or playing something. Then you start to get to the point where you can't pursue that as you once did. It transitions into something else. And I, I straight transition from trying to be the best basketball player I could to trying to have the best physique possible. And for me, the years of doing parametric exercises and doing sprinting and jumping and stuff like that, then trying to max out what I could do squatting, max out what I could do loading through my knees, got to a point where my body just couldn't handle it. 
I was like, you need to be back and really think what you're doing. So to get back to your point in terms of the number one consideration is setting up alignment. So say take the leg extension, visualize that pad on the leg extension. It purely moves forward and back. So you can say it purely moves in the sagittal plane because the axis is directly perpendicular to that. So the axis is in the frontal plane. So everyone can visualize where the axis is on a leg extension. It purely goes directly in the opposite or um, directly sort of the right angles, you could say, to the plane that we're moving through. Yeah. So we've got to make sure that our knee is congruent with that. Whereas a lot of people, they just sit on the leg extension and do the movement because the machine takes them through a path of motion. Yeah. They don't think about their path of motion. They just crack on. Yeah. And what happens is for a huge amount of people, their legs will externally rotate. So the legs will roll out. Soon as the legs roll out a little bit, if you didn't have that pad there attached onto your shins, your feet would want to kick out to the side probably. So they come in and out. So we haven't set the knee alignment up to match the sheet machine alignment. So that would be the key thing. And that's a little bit easier to see on the leg extension than other things, but we still got to have that consideration of the movements. And I think outside of that, don't force your body into positions or exercises it's just not really in a sense designed to do or you just got to massively adapt stuff so an example of that which i know may be tough if people are on lockdown and they're trying to train train at home is a high heel wedged squat yeah if you're going to squat and you can put a small heel wedge on there and you sit into it nicely or something like that crack on that's fine but if you've got to use this four five six inch heel wedge to warrant being able to do a barbell squat, I think you're probably better off using other movements. Yeah. Because if you're used to being in a position where your knees are going through a certain degree of flexion for that relative, say, moment arm again, a relative sort of distance to the knee relative to where the line of force is, um, if they, that's used to being a certain way, and then you go and take them into a movement where they're not used to, there's a higher skill requirement, it's maybe taken to a movement where excessive degrees of knee flexion you're not able to top band it to deload it your body's not going to be used to that force so there hasn't been a progression of force tolerance so that could easily come back to bite you in the ass so don't feel that you've got to try and create a movement that's massively quad focused to work the quads if your body wants to place load on the squat a bit more posteriorly a bit more through your hips Work with that. Don't try and make that movement a knee extension movement. Yeah. Make it split between 60% hips, 40% knees. That's absolutely fine. Don't force yourself into a position which is 50% knees or 60% knees. Stay in a position where your body naturally wants to stay. Um, and then when it's available, if you're in a gym, if you've got that, then use things like the leg extension. Use something like the leg press where we can place maybe a bit more internal thought and a bit more tension maybe through them areas. But don't try and do certain movements that other people have developed their quads on and you think, yeah, I can have a do a front squat or I can do a heel wedge and I can grip tension on my quads. No, just stick with what your body, in a sense, wants. Work with what you've got and then use the machines to try and get a bit more quad emphasis out of it. Yeah, I think it was back in 2017 when I was working with you, I was forcing myself to barbell squat and I was using I was a Watson heel wedge at the time and I was doing it because I was like yeah barbell squats get you big legs and I'm going to use this Watson because I'll get lower but it was all knees 
And I just felt all yeah. on my knees, felt nowhere else. And I think at, at one point you were like, Vaughn, stop doing that. <laughs> and and I've not barbell squatted since. Not safety bar. It's always just been the hack or the or the Smith. Um, I also think that you shattered a lot of um, you know bro split guys. Turn my turn my feet out. Turn my feet in on the legs leg extension um, because they they think they've got a bit more of a of a feel. And I guess their argument is going to be, oh, but I feel it more in this area. But what you're saying is that we're probably not getting more contraction out of it. It's just internal feel. Is that right? Yeah, completely. And like where people get more of an emphasis in terms of the lateral cord or the medial or the VMO varies on person to person, varies at different levels of fatigue from person to person. So it's a tough thing. There is potential ways that it could be emphasized, but it's not going to get into that at the moment because the, the number one thing that 99.9% of people need to be aware of if they're doing a leg extension or any knee extension movement, as I said, is alignment. Yeah. Like, there's no point trying to adjust stuff and work that lateral quad, messing up alignment, and then one year down the line, you've got knee pain. Two years down the line, you've got arthritis. And then you can't develop your lateral quad, you can't develop any part of your quad because your knees are fucked. Yeah. So, like, what will keep you in the game and give you that ability to go through a 10, 15 year period of trying to really develop the optimal physique because when it comes down to it, we need that longer time period. So if you're going to do 10 years of really training properly and optimizing everything, then you've got to stay in the game so you've got to not get injured. Yeah. So forget about trying to build lateral versus VMO or anything like that because a huge part of that comes down to genetics again. Yeah. If you can focus on trying to work throughout a full contractile range, in optimal alignment, taking yourself to a high level of fatigue, um, they're going to be the key things. So if we were to, to discuss alignment, because I know that someone out there, obviously they're thinking about leg extension, their, their legs and whatnot, but may, maybe they've now sort of transitioned to a thought process behind a squat. And like naturally, I guess we all squat differently, right? And depending on the move and the machine and whatnot. But... If you were to discuss, say, like, let's say like, on a hack squat, I have to have a very close stance and my knees always point out, right? Whereas someone might do a hack squat where they point their toes forward and their knees go straight forward. So, again, I guess it comes back to that the individual, effective or ineffective. But if you take my example of my knees getting pushed wide, would you say that that's not optimal alignment or is that just where my body wants to go? Does that mean that? I'm going to have arthritis. I'm, I'm, I'm panicking now because I'm like, fuck, I want to keep my quads. I don't want to be like James. You know, put, put me easier. What's your thoughts? Without seeing it, without really getting live and seeing what's going on, it's a tough thing to say. Sure. Um, it might be the fact that once you get down into that hip flex position, you haven't got the degrees of flexion with the internal rotation you need with the, maybe that stance you've taken. So your knees naturally want to glide out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it might be the fact that by having your feet in that position and allowing your knees to go there, then that sets up an optimal alignment for you. Like, I don't know without seeing it. So just go to try and it's easy for people to visualize. But if you go back to that leg extension example and say we've got someone in a position where the knees aren't rolled out, their quads aren't rolled out, we're setting up what we think straight, although super oversimplified this. Um, and then we go down and look at their toes or their feet, their feet could be pointing straight up, 
Their feet could be out, their feet could be in, one foot could be pointing straight up, one foot could be twisted out, one foot could be twisted in, while their knees are in perfect, quote-unquote, alignment. Okay. So we don't necessarily, well, we can't always predict what's going to happen down at the feet when we know what's the alignment of the knees. Yeah. So going back to the hat squat example, that you could have what actually are internally rotated feet. If your knees are pointing out slightly and your femurs are going out a little bit, but your feet are pointing forward, they're going to be internally rotated. Got you. And if that same position, then you go onto leg extension and you're in a similar type position there when you set up everything in line, you're like, yeah, your body just wants to, it's naturally like that. So we don't want to try and fight against that at all. So um, without seeing it, it's tough to see. Yeah, but I, I guess the main point was that it's it's all down to the individual. And, and as you said, without without you being there, they'd be hard, be hard to tell. And I just think, because sometimes... People will see something, take it as absolutely, say, okay, my, my feet must be here, my knees must do this, when actually it's a lot more complicated than that. And you guys go into that a lot in a lot more detail on your education platform, right? Um, yeah, and I'd say, like, to, again, to try and oversimplify it and give people something maybe to take away is to sort of close your eyes, go into like a couple of bodyweight squats, then come out of it and look at your feet position. As you went into that squat, did you end up placing one foot a bit wider than the other? Was one foot a bit more externally rotated than the other? Was one foot a bit more internally rotated? Was one foot slight, set slightly back relative to your hip position or your shoulder position? Yeah. Maybe it was. If that is, don't ignore that. Take that information onto the hack squat. And when you go onto the hack squat, if it was the case, maybe have your left foot an inch higher than your right foot. Yeah. Maybe have that right foot slightly externally rotated, but that left foot point, that toe point a bit more forward. And that's your alignment because that's where your body naturally wanted to go. Right. So it orchestrated itself into that position. So we've got to take that and bring it into the hat squat rather than saying, oh no, everything's got to be a perfect, I don't know, like 10 o'clock and two o'clock yeah. with my feet position or something like that. Everyone's got to be in perfect alignment. My toes and knees have got to be pointing exactly forwards. You know, they've got to be perfectly at the same height. You know, all these things can vary slightly, and we don't want to try and force ourselves into a position because if we've got any sort of history in terms of what we've done exercise-wise, movement-wise, even just general day-to-day life-wise, there's going to be imbalances. There's going to be difference from left to right, hips, knees, ankles, yeah. movements through your spine. So we want to take that information and bring it onto the movement we're doing, bring it onto that fixed machine, which is amazing because it locks us in. Yeah. And keeps us nice and stable so then we can get optimal fatigue force output and stuff from the movement yeah. but doing something as simple as just some bodyweight squats looking at the position you're in take that and use that on the hat squat yeah. um that would be the easiest takeaway yeah that's, and that i think that's a really good like simplistic thing that someone can do that they can implement straight away if we were to take the same um the same thought process about sort of overrated underrated moves for for the quads themselves do you have any any thoughts on those? Um, underrated, I'd have to go with leg extension. People just don't, a lot of times don't give their credit and think they've got to squat or think they've got to do them massive big movements where what we can get out of leg extension is huge and we just, within higher levels of physique development, bodybuilding world, we like a sensation for what we believe we need to grow yeah. rather than what's actually needed to fatigue a muscle. 
So we take that squat, and I'm sure this was the case with you, that you knew that squat was brutally hard. So you wanted to do it because it was hard. Whereas that's full body hard, systemically hard. It's not necessarily hard for your quads. There's going to be a level of fatigue there, but the level of fatigue you can reach on leg extension is exponentially more than someone like yourself could reach on the squats. Yeah. Because of that ability to lock in, stabilize, maybe have someone there to assist with the rep, something like that. So, yeah, something as simple as leg extension when it's set up appropriately and done appropriately for the individual, then that's huge. Yeah. And people underestimate that. Yeah. Overrated, I'd maybe say within the current trend at the moment is like that high heel wedge squat. Because people are just trying to force themselves into positions um, when really they're better off trying to, if that squat works for them, great, that's fine. Just do it more as a hip extension focus rather than the extension focus. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably go with more something like that um, where someone are trying to force themselves into a position that just the body doesn't isn't designed to do. Super, man. Now, I think that for 6 a.m., on a Thursday Thursday morning, you made some awesome points, and I think some some take homes that people can put in to their workouts or training straight away. But for anyone that's maybe listened to this and they thought, I want to know a bit more about James. I want to maybe perhaps join the education portal and whatnot. Can you give them a bit of a rundown of how they can do that? That'd be fantastic. First thing, if they're not, just go and follow us on Instagram, James underscore the Muscle Mentors. Um, once you're doing that links in the bio links obviously in Cal's loops Brian and Alex as well we're all um, obviously got links in the bio in terms of taking through to the Muscle Mentors website but like go on there it's a 10 day free trial I think it's currently 10 days we might be chopping it down for 7 days um, so get on there quick yep. <laughs> to get the 10 day free trial before we chop it down um, but that'll give you a little introduction so there's a couple of hours on exercise mechanics that I talked through a couple of key things very much just thought process wise um, there's some other key things around sort of sleep and the mental side and the stuff um, on there. But just get on there and literally, honestly, I think it's just like an absolute bargain. I I know even what you've spent traveling down to Nottingham to come and have education myself, come and see myself and stuff. And I know what I've spent in the years on education is thousands. Yeah. And now what you can get for literally a two pound a day equivalent to um, and the website is insanely cheap so I think that's got its positive investors that some people then undervalue it but obviously I'm biased the, the value on there I think is, is huge in, in all areas um, of physique development if you want to know deep dives of nutrition or psychology or PCOS or something like that um, then it's probably not the place to come but if you've got a passion on exercise mechanics, you want to know how to get jacked and look at Luke's stuff around hypertrophy, sleep, understand what's going on with the menstrual cycle in terms of for any sort of females who want to really reach a high level of their optimum genetics in terms of how they look, um, understand what's going on with the digestive system and how that can affect um, everything receipt related, then yeah, it's the place to be. Yeah, and I would, I would strongly recommend that someone do that because... A lot of what I do preach, put into practice today, comes and stems from the early lessons, you know, back from 2016, 2017, and everything that you guys have done over the years. So I always give you guys a heck of a lot of credit um, from where I am today. So thank you for myself, but also thank you from the listeners as well, dude. 
for coming on so so early at 6am I'm sure they'll, uh, that they'll, they'll know the, the passion behind what you do but I think everything that you say and how you speak and the tangents you go off of you just kind of know that James knows his shit <laughs> uh, and when it comes to exercise mechanics and everything like that I think within the within the UK you, you're the go-to you guys 100% I shouldn't say you because maybe you and Luke you're both up there and I don't want to create an argument between the two of you <laughs> but you're, you're certainly the go-to man so I appreciate it Appreciate it. Yeah, mate. Appreciate it coming on. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Now, friend right there listening, whether the gym's open next week or they're wait wait close if you're in Northern Ireland, whatever you do, wherever you are, give it the beans.